both. Uh, I definitely knew that uh, what I was doing was not working and that I, I honestly, I was not in the best place when I stepped onto the trail in the, like the time after college and the, um, till I uh, stepped on the PCT. I was just in this, I don't know, I was in a place where I just wasn't connected with myself, you know? I, I felt lost and I just, um, I was almost like numbing myself from things that were going on and just kind of forgetting who I was and I knew I had to change something. And so I knew that through hiking sounded Welcome to the 100th episode of Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I get to pull up a seat at the campfire and have a conversation about all things through hiking, the triumphs and challenges, and oh, those lessons learned. Today's guest is Jinx, known off-trail as Jason Schaefer. He had never backpacked before in his life when he found himself at the southern terminus of the PCT. Three days in, he seriously thought about quitting, but knew somehow, that the journey would bring him back to himself. In this episode, we talk about what and who he found on the trail. The crazy things people carry, a very profane PCT anthem, and the kindness of strangers. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Jinx. ever thought I'd make it to 100. Ah, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast and welcome to lucky number 100. Woohoo! Happy to be here. Really, really stoked. Oh, thank you so much for uh, jumping on with me. It seems like you've had quite uh, quite the PCT and uh, Camino adventures. Yeah, yeah. Both, uh, both journeys were just kind of incredible and things that I... Uh, Never thought I'd do, and then, you know, here I am. Actually, the PCT was my first backpacking trip ever, and I'd never done it. Yeah, yeah, I'd never done it before, and I actually, I never told this before I went, but I had only been, like, camping a total of four times before that as well. (laughs) Yeah, four times. (laughs) And I didn't tell anyone, because I knew if I told people, they'd be like, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle this? And I didn't want any of their doubts in my mind, because in my mind, I didn't like I had little doubts, but like mostly I was like, I'm going to do this and it's going to be great and I'm going to make it all the way. And I just kind of knew it in my bones. <laughs> so uh, walk me through the hmm, PCT is a thing to I am totally going to do this and I'm going to nail it. And <laughs> yeah, um, so it actually started. Um, I heard about the AT. So I was at a bar with my friends like right after graduating college and uh, my friend Jen was just like, have you heard about the Appalachian Trail? And she's like, I'm going to do that. And I'm like, what is it? And she explains it. I'm like, I'm coming with you. And we like laugh about it. And we're starting to plan it and stuff. And like, I'm like all in. I start researching this. And I'm just like, oh, man, what is this? And like, even before I researched it, I just knew it was something I wanted to do. I, uh, I don't know. Do you ever just have those moments? And it's like, there's just something inside of you that just it's a resounding like, yes, this absolutely. We have to do this. 
yeah. and I knew, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just felt like I, uh, not only like really, really wanted to do it, had to, I felt like I had to do it. And like by doing it, there was something that I had to gain to become like, I don't know, a better version of myself kind of thing. Like it was part of like whatever my growth journey was going to be, that was going to be part of it. So upon researching, I knew it was going to cost like a good amount of money that I did not have yet. So it took like, I like very slowly bought gear piece by piece and on discounts and on eBay and then just kind of saved up. And it was like, uh, it was like two and a half years before I kind of got there, but it happened. So my one friend, Jen, just, uh, she had other things that come up in her life and she wasn't going to hike. And I had another friend that I just randomly got, uh, just got lunch with one day and she was talking about the Pacific Crest Trail. And in my research on the Appalachian Trail, I heard about that and I was like, well, I kind of want to go with somebody else because I've never backpacked before and I don't have a lot of experience. So I was like, I'm coming with you. And she didn't think I was serious until I showed up at her house with a big, long gear list and all this other information. I was like, so this is what I'm thinking. And she's like, oh, shit, we're doing this. And yeah, that's kind of where it went. Having only hiked, backpacked, or hiked, I guess, four times mm -hmm. before, like what made you so embrace the idea of six months of it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, so I've always loved being outside and I've always just kind of loved walking in general. And I just spent a lot of time walking around, um, my hometown, but I just, uh, I don't know, like almost like the child in me that always wanted to go on like a big grandiose adventure and used to play in my backyard pretending I was like, <clears throat> I don't know, a pirate or like uh, a knight or like whatever it was that day. Just, it just rang true in who I was. And I was like, this is something I should try. If that makes sense. This is something you got to do. Yeah. It just felt right. It just, I heard it and I was like, this sounds like it's for me. <laughs> and it turned out to be absolutely correct. <laughs> but Yeah. But I think it was, um, you know, it, it was, it doesn't make any sense why, like when I told my family, they're like, okay, sure. <clears throat> when I told my friends, they're like, okay, yeah, because like, not only have I never backpacked before and only been camping four times, but I also was like, I was very like out of shape and I was kind of, like pretty overweight, which, you know, like, mind you, I wasn't in shape for like hiking a long distance trail, but whoever really is and like health and like the concept of health by our society, like, a lot of people, you know, put, um, if you're overweight, that's unhealthy. If you're skinny, it's healthy, but that doesn't really mean anything. I was pretty healthy in general. Like my body was able to do what I needed to do at the time. I just didn't look quote unquote healthy to like other people, but I knew that in my head with like the PCT, I figured it was all going to be more mental. Like it was going to be physical, but I figured that there'd be a lot of mental aspect to it and my head game and what I thought I could do and was capable of, I figured my body would just kind of get in line with it. <laughs> I mean, I hear from a, a lot of people or a number of people that say, you learn how to hike the trail, you get ready to hike the trail on the trail, so to speak. You know, yeah. they, they, yeah, there are people who come to the trail who are ready to hike the big miles and to, to, to do the thing at the very beginning. But most people come to the trail and have to evolve into a through hiker, essentially. 100%. I think with anything, your body is awesome. Like your body 
will adapt to anything you start doing. And it's going to take a little bit of time, but it'll become what you need it to become. And that is definitely what happens because, like, in the desert, you're just walking and you're like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted. And it's, like, only, like, 15 miles and it's hot and there's not enough water. And you're just kind of figuring it out. But then by the time, I don't know, you reach the end of the Sierra Nevada and you're just you're just booking it and you can feel it. And, like, I don't know, you just feel strong and capable. And it's a really cool, cool feeling. So... What were those first few days on the trail like for you? <laughs> I mean, because you're, you're not only learning how to yeah. through hike and hike per se, but you're also learning how to camp and and minimalist <laughs> camp, not just yeah. like, bring the kitchen sink camp. Oh my gosh, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I was like, how do I actually know where the trail is? Thank God, I, there's like you know at the beginning there's like markers everywhere, and then I just um. Uh, I, uh, setting up a tent the first night was interesting and with the poles and I had even practiced and it, I have the fly Creek, uh, UL one. So it's not super hard to set up, but I was still struggling with the stakes and I was like, crap, how am I going to last the whole trail? But by day three, I remember, oh gosh, I'm not good at, uh, remembering the names of the location. Maybe it was kitchen Creek or whatever. We were hiking out of that and I was trying not to look at the elevation profile on gut hooks because I was, I heard it was an uphill and I just, and then someone told me what the uphill was and my, my head game just went south. I was just like, Oh God, I'm not going to make it. And I like had thoughts of quitting on day three. Honestly, I had one of those moments and I just, I don't know. Then, um, it like started to like rain at some point when I reached this tree line, like a couple miles before. Oh gosh, I suck at locations. No worries. Right out, like whatever, wherever I was going. <laughs> and it started raining and had this cool mist in the forest. And there was something inside of me that says, you know what? We're just going to run. And I just, that, that, I know that makes no sense. And <laughs> I think, what was it? Carry on my wayward son was blasting through my headphones and I was just running through the rain in this forest. And it was like this really cool feeling. And it was just like invigorating and empowering. And I don't know, it just kind of, propelled me through. And I think something I really learned on trail in that moment and then throughout of it, the whole thing was that with the trail, with everything in life, there's really, you can go forward, you can sit where you are, or you can go backward, but there's really no point in sitting in the same spot you are and not moving either direction because eventually it's going to get dark. You're going to run out of food. You're going to get bored. You have to do something. If you go backwards, you're still going to have to climb hills. There's other miles, but you've seen all that. You already know what that is, but you can go forward with the, generally the same amount of work and you can get to a new place and then you can decide in the new place what it is you want to do from there. So a lot of the times on trails, like, all right, I just need to get to the next campsite. All right, I just need to get to lunch. I just need to get to the next town. I never, not until maybe Oregon did I ever start thinking, okay, I'm going to make it to Canada, like for sure in my brain. I always had to be like, we're just going to the next town. And then the next town, we'll go to the next town. And just like step by step to China, um, I don't know, just make it more manageable in my head. And just, uh, yeah. Because it sounds like like on that third day when you were looking at the elevation, that the, the idea, the concept of the elevation was what was getting into your head. Not even necessarily the elevation, because obviously you did it and it it all was fine. But mm-hmm. just the idea of the elevation gain was getting in your head. Did you have a moment at that point of realizing, again, when you also then started to run and you got through the day and, and whatever, mm-hmm. that your your concept of what you could or couldn't do 
or what was going to be hard even was a lot of it just in your head and that when you actually did it, it was fine. Um, physically it was still like hard, not as much as it was in my head. My head built it up and made a perception of it being worse than it actually was, but it was still hard. Like at the very beginning, yeah. I like was out of shape. So my lungs on hills, most of the time I wasn't very good at, uh, like the whole endurance concept of like just slow and steady. I was like, let's walk really, really fast and then slow down and stop. And then let's really fast and then stop. And then let's really fast and then stop. And <laughs> it was just not effective. And eventually, uh, you know, that, uh, endurance factor came in, but yeah, but I will say, I believe, and what I kind of thought after that day even was my headspace and the negative thoughts I had it and the perception I had of it made it even harder than it physically was going to be anyway. And it might've been a lot easier if my head would have been in a different place. Were you able to get your head into a different place moving forward? Um, yes and no. <laughs> so, I mean, I think anyone will tell you on trail, you have good days and bad days or just yeah. like good moments and bad moments and they can come on pretty quick. And I think recognizing how important it was made it, um, or made me better at trying to be conscious of it and get better at that. But I definitely still had some moments. Um, the Sierra Nevada kicked my ass. If I'm going to be really honest with you. <laughs> I think it kicks most people's ass. Yeah, it really does. And you finish the desert and you're like, yeah, I got this. And then you're just, you start those climbs and you're like, Oh shit. And then you got the bear canister. And at the beginning I had the ice axe. I'm like, this is really heavy. And what is this? And, uh, it was, yeah, it, it was a task, but I did it. <laughs> I, I can totally see, like, you describing that in my, in my mind's eye, you know, I see in the desert, yes, there are obviously up and downs in the desert, oh, but it's, sure. it's very relative to the Sierras. So you're kind of going and your eyes are kind of level and, you know, sea mm -hmm. level, so to speak. Um, and then all of a sudden you get to Kennedy Meadows and you get into the Sierras and you start going and you just start looking up and up and up and you're like oh wow okay <laughs> here we go that. Yeah. <laughs> or you get to that part where it's like you go through a valley and then you go up a mountain and then you go down the mountain you sleep and then you do it all over again and you're just like ah <laughs> it, it's a lot but yeah definitely the desert is a lot more gradual and it's definitely a great like quote-unquote training ground to get yourself into like the place i can't imagine going southbound as a brand new never back but i think i would have quit like within a week <laughs> but, yeah yeah i think going sobo because you're starting in washington in the mountains in the what have you you have to have a level of fitness that you can maybe get away with not having when you're in the desert when you start in the desert yeah for sure <laughs> so you're hiking, you hiked the whole thing with Jen, right? No, I didn't actually. Oh, so, okay. uh, I hiked the whole thing, um, with my friend Hannah, her name is Twinkle Toes, okay. and actually, uh, and my other friend Josh, because we actually all knew each other through a, a church youth group when we were in high school, and somehow the stars all aligned that we all decided to hike the Pacific Crest Trail and go for it, and then we finished together. Uh, which was really, really cool. We all finished and we all hiked together and it all just worked out. And we had other people in our trail family too, which was a really, we had a group at our max of like nine and that was really cool. And then we had like little segments of our family that would be, we'd run back into each other and hike together and then kind of separate and then come back. And, but yeah. So how was that hiking with 
other people as opposed to, did that give you a little bit of comfort when you were out there, even if they maybe didn't even know much more than you did? Um, yeah, definitely at the beginning, it was nice having someone there and she had been backpacking in her life. So that helped out a lot because she kind of knew, I knew if I, uh, if I messed up or if I got lost, like I had someone to kind of lean on or like explain things to me and I could ask questions and stuff. But I think, you know, I mean, everyone, when they go out, most people go out solo because it's so hard to find people who have the same time and like interest and are crazy enough to do it. But everyone finds their group and finds their people and kind of like, you know, we make our trail families and we find our support systems to help uh, get us there. A lot of times when I was walking, I think about how we're all just kind of like walking each other to Canada and we're all just kind of there to help each other and kind of get there. And uh, on our good moments and our bad moments, we're just kind of like one giant community. And that's really, really cool. Did you feel the sense of community out there? Yeah, I definitely did. I, I think it's hard. I think it'd be hard not to, honestly. I think you'd really have to, to try to isolate yourself to not feel the community. Everyone's just very friendly and very open to like making new friends and getting to know each other. And even like outside of just through hikers, when you go into like communities and like with trail angels, there's just so many people who want to help you on undertake your incredible journey and just like, I don't know, it's cool. And the best part, uh, also, you have those moments where you run into strangers who have never heard about the Pacific Crest Trail, and then you tell them, they're like, holy crap, you're doing what? And you get like this cool, like, superhero moment, and like, I don't know, it's like a rock star moment, and that helps propel it too. But yeah, there's, there's just a lot of things to help fuel you. In talking with you and talking with everybody, it's sort of a way to, to keep connected to the trail in some even small way. You know, because you've done it and you have the stories to tell and, and you have the moments on the trail to remember. Uh, and you also have, because I think that the other big thing is the concern about, can I do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so hearing you talk about your struggle, hearing you talk about your, your concerns, your, I don't know if I can do it, but you did it. Is yeah. sort of like, okay, okay, I, you know, I just need to get my head in the right space. I just need to yeah, 100%. Uh, keep taking it one step at a time. Think on the small goals, like you just said. Mm -hmm. And that's helpful. Yeah, I honestly think anyone, as long as, like, you don't have, like, I mean, even if you have a major injury, maybe you can. I guess it just depends. But, like, I think anyone can really, truly do it. I think it's just you have to want it. And you have to work on having your headspace right and know that, like, I remember when I was planning up to it, like, I didn't tell people because I didn't want other people's doubts in my head. I also tried not to romanticize it too much, mm. even though that was very hard to not do, because <laughs> I knew that the reality was there were going to be hard times and sometimes it was going to feel like shit. <laughs> and it did. And you just got to, like push through those moments and remind yourself why you're out there and remember the reasons you're doing it. And like, I carried this photo of my office space <laughs> from the job that I had before, which I would just sit at my desk and I kind of, I didn't like my job. I, wow. it just didn't fit me. It was like, it was just a bad, it, it just didn't, um, I don't know. It just didn't bring me life. It just kind of drained me. It wasn't a good environment for, my mental health, it just, it wasn't the best fit. And that, you know, that happens sometimes. But I would sit at my job and I'd be working and I was right in front of a window and I'd just stare out the window wishing I was outside and wishing I was on trail. So I took a photo of my desk and the window and I wrote on the back, I was like, you could be there wishing you were here 
you're where you want to be. Remember that. And I was, that would help me. And I'd pull it out and like, yeah, yeah, this is where I want to be. Even on the bad days, even the bad days on trail were better than the best days in the office because I was where I wanted to be doing what I wanted, embracing the freedom that I wanted, trying to be the best version of myself or whatever. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I think that that is such an important thing to remember. And obviously it's huge for keeping you on trail and keeping you moving forward mm-hmm. on trail. But it's also huge to remember just in the rest of life when you're doing what you want to do, but it's going to be harder. There are hard moments. It's like, I could be doing this and it's hard, but this is better on any day than X. 100%. And yeah, 100%. Did <laughs> what you said that that's the truth of it. And definitely, yeah, it definitely carries out through more than just your trail life. There's Many times where I've chosen to do something that was a lot harder than, like, the other thing I could choose to do. <laughs> and it always turns out better. It, you always get better results or things, better results in the sense of, like, better for who you want to be in your heart and, like, the life you want to lead when you decide to be brave with your life. Anytime you're brave with your life, your rewards are just... I don't know. They're just dope. You learn more about yourself. You grow farther. You end up closer to the life that you like envision for yourself. And it's not to say that if you chose a different path that your life wouldn't be good because it probably would be. But I don't know. You just get closer to your more ideal version of yourself. And I think, yeah, your best life. When you chose to go onto the trail, did you think of it as being brave or you just knew that you hated what you were doing and this is an option to switch? <laughs> um, both. <laughs> I think it was both. Uh, I definitely knew that uh, what I was doing was not working and that I, I honestly, I was not in the best place when I stepped onto the trail in the, like the time after college and the, um, till I uh, stepped on the PCT. I was just in this, I don't know. I was in a place where I just, wasn't connected with myself, you know, I, I felt lost and I just, um, I was almost like numbing myself from things that were going on and just kind of forgetting who I was. And I knew I had to change something. And so I knew that through hiking sounded right and had that like resounding yes, like I was telling you. And it felt like what I might call like my true and original self, like trying to get back to me and like, kind of like in a way I, I thought that by hiking the trail, I'd be like hiking home to myself in a sense, like by reaching Canada, I'd somehow reach me. And I thought that it, it's, it's funny. I, th- I thought um, that I had to reach there to actually get to myself. But the truth is the journey itself, every step of the way I was coming closer and closer to myself. And as the act of doing it made me that it wasn't waiting for me in Canada, I brought myself there and I, I rediscovered, you know, if that makes sense. And, but I, I think... I also felt like I was being brave because, you know, I had no idea what this was going to look like in a sense. I didn't really know what I was doing. And it's like the concept of like living outside for six months in the wilderness with all sorts of animals and uh, not sure where your water and your food's going to come. You know, I mean, that's a scary task. Like you have no idea what's going to happen. And like, so uh, I have a, I have a phobia of rattle of like snakes, but especially rattlesnakes freak me out because, you know, 
anyone. But uh, so actually, within the first three days, everyone was trying to give me like snake trail names. They're like, "You can be snake bite. You can be venom. You can be like whatever else it was." And I was like, "No, no, no! You're gonna jinx it. Like you're gonna jinx me." And then eventually, you know, my trail name became Jinx because I'm very superstitious. Which people then found out I was very superstitious, and then they'd be like, "Well, thank God that we're not surrounded by mountain lions right now and nothing bad." You know, I'm just like, "Can you stop?" <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I, I definitely think there was an aspect of me thinking, like, I was going to go do this brave thing and try to be brave with my life. And, yeah, and it's also, I think, brave to decide to, like, not follow the consecutive normal path of what we're, quote-unquote, supposed to do with our lives. And, yeah, I don't know. What, what surprised you the most about, as you say, kind of walking into yourself as uh, you were heading towards Canada? Yeah, I guess I'm okay. So the thing that surprised me the most, like I walked into myself, quote unquote, in many different ways. But the one that I didn't realize was how before the trail, how disconnected I was to my body. I did not know how much I ignored and just did not feel connected to my body. I uh, actually one of the greatest gifts the trail gave me was it gave me my body back. I felt like I owned it again, like I it felt strong. I felt capable. I felt like I knew if I gave my body these foods and I gave myself this enough rest, I knew I could do this amount of miles or I knew I could do something else. Or like I knew if I uh, challenged my body, I would become stronger. And like I could see the manifestation of that within days. Like once, um, have you heard about the, the milkshakes in Belden, the Huckleberry milkshakes in Belden? Okay. All right, quick story. So we were on top of the big climb down to Belden, which is like, I don't know, it was like five, six miles downhill or something like that. So we find out about the milkshakes on Hook, and we're looking at the trail, and we have like, we're probably like 5.5 miles, and it closes, it closed in like an hour, right? So I'm like, I'm really good at downhills. I'm not the best at uphills. Even the whole thing. I've never liked uphills and I still didn't like it at the very end of the trail, you know, downhills forever. But, um, I was like, I can make that. I was like, if I run <laughs> and I do a 10 minute mile, <laughs> which I knew I could do a 10 minute mile and I'm going down. So just like momentum and I do a 10 minute mile and then I have, it'll do 50 minutes and I'll still have like 10 ish, 15 minutes ish here for stopping to breathe because I'm going to need to stop to breathe and I'm going to get a freaking milkshake. So I take off and I just go, I'm just booking it as fast as I can. And I had to do a lot more breaks than I thought I did, but whatever. Um, and I made it, I made it with seven minutes. I get to the <laughs> building and I'm just like yelling at someone. I was like, do you know where the milkshake, where's, where's the food? And they're just like, it's, it's that way. And they weren't hikers. They were just random people. Like, what is this guy doing? I'm like, I'm going for the milkshakes. And I get in and I find out the milkshakes are a half mile down the road and I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but there was still a convenience store, so, you know, still got a, uh, some good food. But, um. Did you get a milkshake? I, the next morning I got the milkshake <sighs> and it was delicious. But, okay, so, uh, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. But, um, the, seeing my body change, like, I, I, uh, challenged myself by running and I did it for f the milkshake, so I wasn't trying to, like, challenge it. But obviously the next day my thighs felt like shit. <laughs> and they did for, like, three days, but then I noticed, like, three days later, I felt, so much stronger and I could feel like, cause I knew my pace and my pace was faster. And I was like, Oh, Oh wow. Look, my muscles just developed like into what I had, 
put them through into something new like that, which was really, really cool. And in that sense, just like learning about my body, but also just, I don't know, feeling like, I feel like in our culture, we're taught to just ignore our bodies in general. And we're taught to like numb ourselves from our feelings and not pay attention to them. Cause Lord, if they might tell us like, Hey, you're not feeling the best and you need to rest and not work and be efficient and make money for their culture, whatever. And, <clears throat> Um, in that sense, just, uh, even just hearing my body telling me like, Hey, you need to drink water and understanding like, Oh, that's my body actually telling me that. And then doing that and feeling better. Like once I was in Oregon and I was two miles from camp and I felt sick, like I just felt sick to my stomach and I was like, we just need to make it to camp and then we'll just eat something and go to bed. I don't know. We'll just, it'll be fine. And I'm going, it's like, it's just two miles. It's fine. And my, in my head, my body was just screaming, eat the apple in your pack. And I was like, no, no, we didn't want to get to camp. It's like, eat the apple. And I was like, no, no, it's two miles. Like eat the apple, eat the apple, eat the apple. I'm like, all right, fine. So I sat down in the middle of the trail on a rock and I ate the apple and I felt instantly better. It was really, really weird. (laughs) Your body knows. Yeah. Your body knows. It was like, you're eating, too much like garbage, eat the apple. And I was like, okay, okay. And I felt better. I don't know. I think that I've, it's not as easy to listen to your body in the quote unquote real world as it is on trail, but I've gotten a lot better at it ever since the PCT. And like, yeah, I don't know. It's really cool. Have you also gotten better about challenging your body or pushing your body like you did with the run into Belden, you know, where you're like, yeah, I, you know, I, maybe I'm not quote unquote ready right now, but I know that I can push myself and my body will, will evolve to it. My body will, will change and adjust and, and embrace it actually. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yes and no. So generally I'm kind of like a all or nothing kind of guy. So I'm either extremely lazy or I'm extremely ambitious. <laughs> so um, actually during quarantining and such, I took up biking because I am never going to be a runner. And I know that. But I was like, I kind of want to get something like movement and it'd be fun. And I was like, well, biking could be fun. I used to like biking a lot when I was a kid. I haven't ridden like 12 years, but, you know, we can figure that out. You're never supposed to forget, right? Exactly. <laughs> So I picked up biking and I fell in love with that and I started pushing myself and pushing myself in that sense. And it was cool. I had some similar feelings on trail because like when you start in the morning or like when I start biking, my legs feel like garbage and they're like, you should stop. This is dumb. Why are we doing this? And my lungs are like, what are you doing? This isn't what we do. And then (laughs) there's some point. I don't know, maybe you're like five miles in, seven miles in, it just kind of depends. And your body's like, no, this is great. And your legs are like, let's go, we can go faster. And it's almost like they're screaming like, this is what we were born to do. We were born to move. Let's do this. You got this. And it's like, it's not that you don't feel pain. It's just that you also don't feel pain. (laughs) It's like you can feel it, but it's also not there. Or uh, it's like your head space is somewhere else where like pain, even though it's Technically there, it's not infiltrating like your spirit. I don't know how to put it into words, but it's a cool vibe. Maybe that's what people mean by runner's high, like that kind of thing. But yeah, I definitely feel like I, I push myself more like physically now, but also I think I also push myself to like be braver of my life too. And in my decisions, what I think I try to analyze my decisions and decide like, am I making a decision based on fear or am I making a decision based on this is what I really want to do or why am I doing this and 
which way do I want to go with it and which way is the bravest for me to do, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And it feels a little bit like saying this this choice, this option, does does this option scare me? Like, does does this option push me places that I'm not comfortable with, but that could be really exciting? Yeah, I actually have a motto, and it's if it's amazing, but also terrifying, you have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's exactly because of that. It's because I feel like humans in general, I feel like we're supposed to be pushing and towards a goal. I think I think that's where we come alive. That's where like the magic happens is when we're out of our comfort zones and we're pushing towards something. That's where growth happens. That's where a lot of joy can happen and a lot of like struggle and sometimes pain. But like through that, when we come to the other side, we always come to some place that's brighter and better and we can rise to the occasion of whatever that is. And yeah, I definitely like to chase things that um I look at it, I'm like, I think that's outside of my comfort zone and I definitely don't want to do it. And then I'm like, but we have to because that's where the good, that's where the magic happens. And that does not mean that I'm not uncomfortable with it or that uh, my anxiety doesn't flare up or whatever else might have you um, happen. But I don't know. And sometimes I decide to stay comfortable because, you know, you just got to make those those choices for what you feel good with at the moment. But I, I try to, you know, <laughs> be brave with my life for but you, you recognize it as a choice. Yes, it is definitely a choice. And there is nothing wrong with um, being comfortable, too, and choosing to do uh, something that is in your comfort zone because it's called a comfort zone for a reason, and I think it's a balance. I think everything's really balanced. Yeah, true. What, what was the hiker trashiest thing that you did out there? <laughs> what was your hiker trashiest moment oh god what was my hiker trashiest moment um that's a great question i'm not sure because there might have been a lot of them <laughs> um oh god what, what was the moment when you were doing it and you're like oh my god i am officially hiker trash i am officially here Probably every time I dropped food on the ground and I ate it anyway, even if it was covered in kind of dirt, I was just like, eh, whatever, we're just, you know, some twigs, extra fiber, it's fine. <laughs> or, <laughs> um, let's see, once when we were at a restaurant, <laughs> someone, some kid didn't finish their pancakes at another table. <laughs> So as a group, we took the pancakes from the table and we cut off the part where he like bit off of it and then we ate the rest of it. <laughs> that was pretty hyper trash. Um, but yeah. Uh, That's almost one of those moments where you're like, oh, we're going to do something <laughs> we naughty. We it for a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. It sounds like you guys had a lot of fun out there. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was a really good time. We had a lot of goofy crazy moments and a lot of like i don't know a lot of good camaraderie talking about goofy crazy moments so i believe it was you but it might have been somebody else who created the pct anthem oh that was me yeah <laughs> <laughs> that that 100 percent was me is do other people know that <laughs> know the <this> song <laughs> well isn't it your song essentially i mean it was to the it's to the melody of jingle bells but yes it is um is it wait is it other places i don't really know i haven't kept up with it but yeah i uh, i wrote that um 
Uh, where was that? It was either right after Kennedy Meadows or no, it was before getting to Kennedy Meadows. And it's right when the desert starts to get more like the Sierra Nevada, but not completely. And it's just these uphills and you're kind of dying. And I was like, well, fuck this. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm going to write a song about it. And my friends are like, okay. And then I'm like, just sitting there going around. And then we're like, fuck this hill, fuck this hill, hiking is a bitch. And it just kind of came together. And they're like, guys, listen to this. And then I just sang it a lot. And it was dope. <laughs> Give us give us the whole verse of it. So you, the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Hiking the PCT, we've been out here for days. Who put this mountain here? Make it go away. Fuck, fuck, fuck. This uphill's really steep, making spirits die. What fun it is to curse and climb this stupid mountainside. Oh, fuck this hill, fuck this hill. Hiking is a bitch. Time to go down to the road and give myself a hitch. Oh, fuck this hill, fuck this hill. Hiking is a bitch. Time to go down to the road and get myself a hitch. Bum, 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 bum. Fuck this. <laughs> That's kind of brilliant. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's very catchy. Very catchy. I would sing it on all my uphills. <laughs> so it became the standard all the way up the, the trail? <laughs> yeah. I had different things that I would sing to kind of help me get up hills or say to get up hills, and that was definitely one of them. <laughs> it's like a cheery way to acknowledge that this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can also picture that I know for myself, like if I'm having to do something that is hard like that, uphills particularly, like mm-hmm. if I have something that distracts me. So a lot of times what I used to end up doing is like kicking a pine cone or something like that. And just you're <laughs> kicking it up the trail or you're kicking it up the road. Yeah. And you forget, you lose track of where you are and how far then you've gone. And I feel like mm-hmm. the song is sort of like that. You're just singing it over and over again. It's almost a little bit like the ants go marching one by one. <laughs> That actually is a song that I would sing to help me get up hills sometimes. <laughs> I would sing the ants go marching one by one. Or, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that that's definitely it. I also always listen to like music in my headphones, and I would like imagine stories of like, I was like, if I was on a deserted island, what parts of my gear, if I could only choose five, would I choose if I was stuck there? And what would that, you know what I mean? Just little things to help distract you mm-hmm. from the fact your legs hurt and that you're going up a hill. But yeah, I'll have to try to kick the pine cone thing. That sounds fun. <laughs> so, so what were those five pieces of gear that you decided would, you would take to a deserted island with you? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> definitely the water filter <laughs> and probably the tent. Um, stove, knife, and then this one's stupid, but it's my luxury gear item, and I take it everywhere. I have an extendable back scratcher. <laughs> it weighs an ounce. <laughs> I got it in Utah when I went to Bryce Canyon, and I have kept it with me on every backpacking trip and camping adventure that I've gone on since. And it's actually extremely useful because, you know, you can scratch your back, but sometimes you leave something outside your tent and you don't want to get outside your tent, so you just zoom and extend that and you just play, like, you just fit, go fishing and you get your stuff and I don't know. <laughs> I love that. And as you say, it's only an ounce. It's only an ounce. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth every, every, every gram. <laughs> and there are a lot of people with a lot more heavy luxury items. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I mean, I also sometimes – I uh, when I got on trail, I'd get bored and be like, oh, I could get this or that. So, like, at one point I mailed out my ukulele to me, and then I was like, this was a stupid idea, and I mailed it home. Or at one point I was like, guys, I'm going to figure out how to carry a frying pan out here and how to make, like, steak or pizza and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it can't be that hard. And, like, I was, like, looking at titanium plates and trying to figure out how that would work, and then I re- luckily I realized – 
what right when I had it like in the checkout of REI, I was like, this is a horrible idea. This is such a this is my worst one yet, and I like canceled it all. <laughs> but yeah. Were you just doing that because you were dare I say bored, or but your mind was bored, and so you were just going down these rabbit holes, or? Um, I think my mind is just generally like that. I get ideas and I think they're great ideas and then I just kind of run with them maybe t- sometimes too far. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, that's kind of just how my brain works. I'll just kind of be going. And then, you know, there's a lot, I mean, you're just hiking all day. There's, you know, your mind goes everywhere. And one of them was like, I could totally carry a frying pan. Why not just a cast iron skillet? It'd be fine. <laughs> Why not? It only weighs 15 pounds? That can't be that bad. I'm already carrying 25 or something, right? <laughs> Did you go, quote unquote, ultralight or were you sort of moderate? I tried to be because, again, uh, reading, you know, all the research about how, like, the hell lighter your pack is, the better chance you have at finishing. And because I wanted to finish and I had no idea what I was doing, I just tried to follow that advice. So I... But I also am cheap, so the two don't always go hand in hand. So I'm kind of was like ultralight, but on like the heavier end of ultralight. I think <laughs> my base weight when I started was 15 pounds, which isn't okay. that bad. And then at the end, I think it was 13, which really isn't that bad at all. And then I just put a shit ton of food in it because I had uh, Gossamer Gears Mariposa, so it's like 60 liters, and I don't think it was ever actually full except when I stuffed it with food, and then it would be dwindling which is the best part is <laughs> when you get to town and then it's like wow the last day it's so light but yeah. yeah i think generally i tried to be ultra light and uh even though like my gear wasn't the lightest like my rain jacket is like a pound and i think my puffy was also close to a pound like 12 ounces or something but i did you know i tried to be minimalist and i um i think all of us through hikers learn like very quickly what we do and do not need <laughs> and we get rid of it like the hiker boxes at the beginning of the trail they're kind of lit <laughs> there's all sorts of cool stuff in there um, so two questions for you sure. one is what was the kind of the first thing or the first thing that you realized you didn't need and what was the craziest thing and then the second question is what was the craziest thing that you saw in some of those early hiker boxes that somebody else thought again that they needed and obviously didn't um what was the thing that I first... Oh, God. This one's embarrassing. Are you ready? <laughs> I, I don't... I just... I don't know why I had such a desire to have this, but I did. And, it, you know, um, I carried a Yeti water bottle, <laughs> like the thick-ass metal one. I know. I just wanted cold water for some reason. And <laughs> I was like, why not? And, like, maybe I could chill, like, food in here. I don't really know. I don't even remember what my thinking was. But I remember I had, like, a little... The Rambler one is... I don't know. It's about the size of a normal coffee mug. And I had that. And I'm pretty sure it weighed a pound. And it was the... I, I got rid of it by day three. It was gone by day three. <laughs> but that was... Probably the first, yeah, that was the first thing to go. Not my best decision. Um, it's funny. I'm like, I, I tried to be ultra light as possible in minimalist, and then I have this freaking Yeti. <laughs> what was, what was the moment for you when you're like, this is silly. Like this, this has to go. I, I gotta get rid of this. Uh, well, day three was the day, like I was telling you that I was like, I want to quit. <laughs> and I was like, okay, 
we need to make this easier on myself and we need to lighten up my pack a little bit maybe because also part of like the pills i was like yeah my pack could be a little lighter because like i didn't realize how heavy water was gonna be and i also didn't know how much water i was gonna drink i actually there's a joke with me and my friend i was like i don't need that much water i'll be fine blah 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 i was like maybe just like two liters or three liters a day and then i ended up carrying like six liters every day or five or six and i could like chug one down in an instant i was like oh crap (laughs) so yeah i just uh i just recognized i was like absolutely do not need this and i think i got rid of like i think i had a sudoku book and like some other like little things i was like what if i get bored or like all this free time i'm gonna have and it's funny you think you're gonna have like a ton of free time on trail but you actually don't <laughs> your time is consumed by walking eating and sleeping and then staring off into the distance in exhaustion or just hanging out with your friends and like having fun but like there's really i was like oh maybe i'll read this book or that and i'm just like mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> there's no mental energy left for that <laughs> you realize pretty me. quickly that 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 becomes crazy talk yeah yeah very very quickly <laughs> So, so what was the wildest or craziest thing that you saw in some of those early hiker boxes? Yeah, uh, this wasn't in a hiker box. This is just what someone was carrying and continued to carry. But there was a guy who had like tin cans of food. Like he had like cans, like, like, like cans of beans or like cans of fruit. And I'm just like, why are you carrying that? I was like, like a, you could get plastic versions of that even. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like, like a bunker, bunker. Rations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, 100%. And that, I think that was one of the craziest things I saw. I was like, I don't, I don't understand that. And I think the same person also had like an extra pair of shoes in their pack. And I was like, that, you know, no. <laughs> Do you know how far they made it? Did they make it all the way to the end? You know, I actually don't know that. No, huh. I lost track of them. Probably in the Sierra Nevada. I would have, I don't know. You know, I don't know because I also heard that that guy had finished the AT with the same weight of his pack, so maybe he finished the BCT too. I don't know. You know, We all know what we can carry and what we can handle and what we can. If he can do that and comfortably and he's happy with it, okay. Not for me. <laughs> but yeah. It's one of those moments where you realize how different each of the hikers are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Everybody's got their, their thing, their requirements, their what's acceptable, what's not acceptable type of thing okay yeah 100 i got another one though i just realized what the actual craziest thing i saw someone carry so this this guy his name was 15 feet or 15 foot now 15 feet and i never saw him until washington but i heard all about him and you'd see his name in the registry here and there and uh he got his trail name because at some point at the very beginning he was in a hardware store and he got a 15 foot long um garden hose like a regular old garden hose and he carried it all the way to canada <laughs> at least i'm pretty sure he made it canada because i'm in washington but yeah he carried it the whole time just like garden hose just garden hose i what? i have no idea I, right that's what i was like why would you do that what later on i found out i think i heard that the story goes is that he was high and the garden hose told him to take it to Canada. <laughs> but otherwise, I still don't know to this day. I, I saw him and I like was like, oh, my God, he's real. And every time in the trail <laughs> registry, I'm like, how are you faster than me with a garden hose on your back? But, you know, <laughs> So when you I, when you finally saw him, 
like how was he carrying this thing? Like was it literally stuffed in his pack? What is it around? It him? was strapped to the outside. It was strapped to the back. He just okay. it was garden toes just hanging right there. And I'm just like, you're kidding. <laughs> Please tell me you got a picture of that. I did. A hundred percent. Yeah. Can you totally share it? Yeah, I can try to find it and send it to you. 100%. I want to see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> so that that's definitely the craziest thing I saw someone carry that they absolutely did not need. <laughs> he was going to try a new approach to siphoning off a little lake, a, a couple lakes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Looking at your pictures and, and kind of reading your your st- stories or your posts on Instagram, mm-hmm. you had some issues with your feet. Well, feet and uh, calf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, they just, uh, my, my shoes just kind of deteriorated pretty well. I have like, when I walk, I have a pretty heavy tread, I guess, in general. Like, for example, um, I could have had many other trail names besides Jinx, and one of them could have been Acid Foot, because I would put on a pair of socks, brand new, and within a week, they would have a hole in them, like a darn tough sock. I could get a hole like about this, like a good, like good size. And so, and I wear in gingies because I like the toe socks, go toe socks, cozy toes. Anyway, um, but yeah, and I would get a hole in them, the gingies within a day or two, and they would be small. And then I just let them get bigger and bigger and bigger until they started going over to the top because I didn't want to have to buy new socks all the time. And then be like, well, now it's time to discard them. Or I'd tape them shut with Luco tape and keep going with them because I just wanted to extend the life of the socks because those are they're $15 for a socks is kind of ridiculous. So I was like, whatever, I'd find hiker box like in gingies. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I had like mismatched socks. But so my shoes also did the same thing where they wore down really, really fast, but I didn't want to have to buy like a bunch of hundred dollar pairs of shoes. So I just kind of kept um, pushing them farther than they should have been going for my feet and my feet reacted to that. I remember I was walking into hiker town and it was flat. It was just a flat gravel road and I couldn't do it. I was like, like hobbling like crazy. Like I was in so much pain and luckily my next pair of shoes were there, but I think I pushed those shoes like 900 miles and it really, it was really bad. And then I, I found cool like little hacks though. If you find like people's insoles for like, cause the, some people use like, I don't know what the super feet, those modified like nice insoles. So they get rid of their like normal insoles for shoes. If you put normal insoles for shoes and cut them for your shoes and switch them out, they give your shoes longer life a little bit. If you're trying to be really cheap, it's not the best for your feet, but it works. <laughs> but yeah, I actually, um, uh, let's see, not until after the Camino, but I developed like plantar fasciitis. So I don't know if I'd recommend that you do what I did with shoes. Probably not. No. Um, and I, I had like a roller ball that I got from like a CVS in, uh, mm-hmm. California, which probably saved me a lot, but yeah, not, not the most ideal. So now, cause I, I still want to through hike and I'm actually not super soon cause pandemic is kind of throwing things off, but in the next couple years, I want to do another through hike. And so I need to figure out with the plantar fasciitis, how that's going to kind of work. Cause you know, it kind of shakes it up a different. Did that start on the trail? No, it actually started after I got done with the Camino de Santiago in 2019. I literally, it flared up because I jumped from some something and I landed weird and then it just never stopped being flared up. And the last, I guess it's been like a year and a half now, I've just kind of adapted to it and I figured 
It's actually really scary because the doctor was like, you can't do any. Uh, it was not the best doctor. And they were like, you won't be able to do anything like you, you shouldn't do any activities and physical exercise stuff. And I was like, for to what end? I was like, no, I'm not going to not hike. Or I was like, can I hike? And she's like, well, that'd probably be bad with the uneven terrain. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was, I was really upset. But then as I, I got used to it and I just kind of was like, well, I can sit here and let my foot stop me or I can just go do it and deal with it and figure out how it kind of works and how my body is going to react with the plantar fasciitis and kind of figure out how to do it in a way that's like safe for my foot, but still allows me to do what I want to do. So I forever have to wear ultras. <laughs> okay. Uh, so far was what I've discovered. And then when I hike, cause I still go on like shorter backpacking trips now. And uh, I just can't go as fast as I possibly can and want to, <laughs> I have right. to slow down. So, which is cause like your plantar fasciitis also has to do with like your calves being like really tight and stuff too. So when I go really fast, my calves tighten up enough that like my heel doesn't like it. So that's kind of a bummer, but it's okay. <laughs> you found workarounds. Yeah, exactly. And then like biking, you know, I can still be active and my, my heel doesn't get mad at me. Then it's my knees. <laughs> One thing or another. Yeah, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> what were your thoughts about hitchhiking before you went out there? And then what was your, what was like the first time that you hitchhiked? Cause you were hit, but you were hitchhiking at least with somebody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I usually hitchhike with somebody else. Um, although I did hitchhike by myself a couple times, but yeah, my thoughts on hitchhiking were exactly what your parents tell you. And it's like, don't touch strangers. Don't get in someone else's car. Hitchhiking is a horrible idea. And <laughs> my parents even then were like, we, we do not approve of this. And I was like, yeah, but you have to do it. <laughs> and uh, I guess yeah. I kind of figured in my mind, I was like, well, you know, like the PCT goes through, everyone does it every year. So everyone should know, like, that's what people are doing. So it should be safer than like other things. Interestingly enough. And I, you know, I mean, I've been on like a hundred hitches now. Um, because this are over a hundred and I never felt unsafe once. And there were many times where, uh, people would pick us up and they had no idea what the PCT was. They were just being kind. And they saw like a group of like disgusting, straggly hikers and like, we'll give them a ride. Or like once we had, um, we've been waiting for a hitch for like an hour and a half. Good God. And we were kind of, it was in Oregon and we had like hitched to like a restaurant and then, so it was harder to get a hitch back out to trail anyways. But yeah, this, this, this family had gone past us and then dropped off all their stuff. And then like half hour later came back to get us to make, they made room in our car to come and like take us wherever we needed to go. Or once there was like a family of five and they rearranged their entire car to fit like three of us in there. Or just like people would do such like, I don't know. It's, I always say to people, if you ever want your faith in humanity restored, just go on a through hike because the kindness and generosity you receive from strangers for no reason whatsoever, except just kindness, like pure generosity is just, it's phenomenal. It's, it's like astounding. <laughs> restored your faith in humanity. Yeah. hundred percent. And I already had a decent faith in humanity, but it just like, just shows you like, I don't know the, connections that we can make with people who we don't even know and just like how kindness can really shape and change people and how even just micro interactions can really leave lasting impressions on other people and like change i don't know change the world let's say <laughs> but yeah like i think the the best trail magic i ever got the greatest kindness i got so um 
in Lake Tahoe, uh, a couple days before, I thought I had Giardia, and I was like, crap. So I went to the hospital Literally? to testify. Yeah, I, I had I had Giardia. So I went there, and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm sick. I can't like keep hiking. I gotta figure out, you know, I'm gonna have to stay in a hotel, but I didn't want to like lose my group. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll just take like a bus route and get a hotel up trail in like the next, cause they had five days to get to like the next place. So I'm like, I'll just go hang out in a hotel there and it was gonna cost like a buttload of money. And the, the bus route was like to Reno, Nevada and then like four other bus routes, which was gonna be like a long time. And like I would have hitched, but I was like, I don't, you know, cause I didn't feel well. I didn't feel like it was a good, I, you know what I mean? Anyway, so I get this nurse and his name's Paul. And he was super into hiking. And so we're talking and it was really cool. And he's like, I was telling him my plans. And he's like, okay. And he's like, you know what? Let me talk to my wife and maybe, maybe you can come stay, stay with us. And I'm like, I got to check, but okay. You know, and he's like, just keep going with your plan, with your bus thing. But, uh, if, if it works, I'll, I'll come pick you up. And if not, you know, just take your bus. So I'm like, okay. And then like some, uh, another nurse was really nice and drove me down to the bus stop. And I'm sitting there at the bus stop and I'm just kind of waiting. I'm, I don't, ex- I'm like, maybe he'll show up. Me isn't, but I'm not going to like put all my, all my money on that and it's like 10 minutes till my bus is about to come like okay cool we'll just keep you know we'll do the bus thing it was nice that he offered and then the guy just shows up and he's like hey get in the car and the guy so he he lets me stay at his house he feeds me he helps me like get like food from the grocery store for the next bout i get better within two days and he drives me like two hours out of the way to sierra city to get me back on trail with my friends i don't know it was just it was really just like the kindest thing i think anyone's ever done for me and like it was really cool. <laughs> Why do you think the the trails, because obviously it's not just the PCT, but it's the trails in general, bring mm-hmm. out that in people or inspire that in people? You know, great question. Um, Let's think. I think, I think people have that in them, right? Like, I think everyone has it in them to, like, display and give that kind of generosity and that kind of kindness. I think it's hard to see the opportunities for those sometimes. And I think the trail culture allows opportunities for that because you see someone that you don't know and they tell you, Hey, we're trying to take on this huge, incredible journey and accomplish this amazing goal. And you hear something like that and you're kind of like astounded and you're, you're looking at this person who looks like garbage <laughs> and hiker trash. And yeah, I don't, I think that you just see that opportunity to help someone and like help someone accomplish something incredible. And I think who doesn't want to like, you know what I mean? Take the time when it's like as simple as something as like a car ride or giving someone soda. And then I think also with that, I hear from like trail angels, like their favorite part is just seeing how happy and excited it makes all of us through hikers with when we get trail magic. And I think that's, that's definitely the case because, you know, like you're walking and you're tired and you're exhausted and you just, you know, you've been out for like four days and you're ready to just, I don't know, crawl in your tent, take a nap or like get to town, eat real food. And then you get on this to this gravel road and there's like someone with a, a tailgating tent and they're making burgers and they have beer and soda. And you're just like, Oh my God. And it's, it's the best thing. There is nothing like even like it's comparable to like a kid on Christmas and maybe even more so. <laughs> Has it changed the way that you interact with 
people that you don't know off trail? Um, I'm definitely more keen to pick up hitchhikers now. <laughs> That's for you sure. You feel their pain? I feel their pain. Yeah. Um, I would, I obviously don't live, I live in, um, Wisconsin, so I don't live near, uh, any of the main through hiking trails, mm-hmm. but if I did, I'd, I'd like to do, um, trail magic. I do, um, the Ice Age Trail is in, uh, Wisconsin, but I don't know <laughs> the seasons in which people hike them or if people hike them a lot to go do trail magic, but I have considered that. But yeah, I think so. I think when you're shown, great kindness like that it's hard to not want to like pay that forward and try to show that to uh other people because you you felt i don't know you felt what it means what it means to like kind of in some ways be at the mercy of people's help like with hitchhiking like you there's a good you know you you need you need help you need support you need to be able to like receive and accept that and um there's like like humility in that. And I think that that definitely carries on with you because you've like firsthand experienced what it feels like in those moments. Was it hard to ask for help? Um, sometimes it was a hitchhike or whether it was a trail angel or, um, yes and no. Uh, with hitches, it's very easy to accept a hitch because they lead to town, which leads to food, and that's always good. Um, and same with the uh, trail magic. But I think for me, accepting help sometimes was accepting help from my fellow through hikers and the people around me. How so? Uh, for example, um, one in the Sierra Nevada, I had not gotten da- figured out like my eating scenario situation yet like what was best for uh giving me the most energy and like the Are lightest Sierra nevadas yeah i still haven't figured that out that's a I ways know. in i know <laughs> it wasn't good it was, i mean i was like I, I yeah um it wasn't a good decision it was not smart and i recognize that and i don't suggest like i don't know i suggest people know uh about food and what to do before, um, by then and not follow what I did. But yeah, uh, in the desert, there's just, I just didn't, I don't think I was eating enough. And then, but I, I mean, I was, I was eating a good amount, but I wasn't eating enough for like through hiking because of all the calories you burn and such. But, um, yeah, by the Sierra Nevada, I still hadn't figured out exactly what to do. And also, again, I like, I had enough money to hike the trail, but I also, I had to do it frugally to be able to finish and I knew that and I knew like there are many reasons people get off trail and I knew one of them is running out of money so I was trying to be very careful with that in the beginning because I knew it would be easy to like be really really hungry and buy everything exactly you know what I mean buy everything I want and like run out of money quickly so I was lots of ramen lots of mashed potatoes you know not going anything too big oh yeah (laughs) and yeah so um in the Sierra Nevada, there were, like, what, what part was it? It was, like, that section, oh, God, I don't, actually, I think it was the section maybe before, no, not Tahoe, oh, crap, where was it? I don't remember the section, <laughs> but there was a moment where I was down to, like, two ramen noodles and, like, a bar, <laughs> and we still had, like, a full day the next day, and I, through most of the Sierra Nevada, I felt 
I was I was the slowest of our group of nine, and I kind of felt like I was like the weak link or like I was just kind of like slowing everybody down. So like I should have asked and told people that I didn't have as much food as I needed to like kind of keep going, but I didn't because I didn't want to be even more of a burden to the people I was hiking with because I felt I kind of felt that way. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't. So I got to camp that night. I remember. And I was like, okay, we'll eat both the ramens because we need that and we'll sleep and then we'll just book it the, cause we were getting to town the next day. So I think it was like 22 miles. I'm like, we'll just book it and we'll go on all the sleep energy and then we're going to hit up the Chinese buffet and it's going to be great. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I recognize I should have probably asked for help and it would have been easy to just be like, Hey, I'm running on food. Does anyone have anything that could spare me? And I'm sure no one would have even like thought anything of it. My, uh, head game there with that was not the best. Um, but actually that was another cool trail hinger moment where, uh, I got to a parking lot and I saw some lady and she's like, Hey, did you get any breakfast? And I was like, no. And she's like, do you want some of mine? And I was like, well, you know, if you're offering, I'm like, I don't want to steal your breakfast. She's like, no, no, it's for you. And it was, um, that ranger station. Uh, Oh God, what's the, I'm really bad at, uh, remembering the names of geographical locations. Cabbage. I don't remember, but it's the ranger station that does trail magic and it's all through their volunteers and they buy it themselves and bring it in and it's really cool. And yeah, she was, I was the only person there at the moment. And so she opened like an hour early and, uh, yeah, gave me like a nice plate of like some fruit and some like, like trail mix and like just food and like a hard boiled egg. And that really, really helped. I don't think like I was, I wasn't going to die or starve or anything. Cause obviously it's getting to town, but just like mentally, just, I was in like a scarcity kind of panicky way. And that kind of saved me that day. <laughs> if that makes sense. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Did it get any better for you in terms of asking for help from your fellow hikers? Um, Hmm. That's a great question. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Um, uh, I've maybe, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I'd have to, I'm going to guess maybe a little bit, but probably not as much as like it should be. <laughs> I think in the last, like in the years after through hiking, I've gotten a lot better at it after kind of, you know, just all the time it takes to process a through hike and think about it and figure out all the lessons you learned. One of them is that I need to get better at accepting help, <laughs> which is still hard for me. It's just a, like a, a pattern I've had my whole life is just like, I can do it on my own. I can figure it out and not wanting to burden people kind of thing. But I think I've gotten better at it. I think I'm better at it now. I think I still have some ways to go, but I, I'm a lot better than I was. Then. <laughs> well, and that's interesting that you, that you put it that way because it's, in terms of using the word burden, because it was, it was interesting, like when you were talking about the story of the food and not asking, if, you know, or not, not, not even necessarily asking, but even just stating that you were low on food, you know, mm -hmm. versus asking if anybody had anything extra. Uh, your, your words for that were, you know, being a burden and, yeah. Slowing everybody down and being the weakest link and stuff like that. And I'm wondering if through the court, you know, through the rest of the course of the trail and then, as you say, the processing afterwards, have you been able to, I guess, reconcile the, the mindset that you have about those things and 
been able to, what am I trying to say here? Been able to celebrate what you're, what you do have and what you are doing versus looking at it from the other side of I'm the burden or I'm the weakest link or, you know, I'm slowing everybody down. Yeah. You know, actually, I think like in that time in Sierra Nevada, because I was so much slower. Um, there, so like the mentality set, like, like I would get to break and our fastest hiker, uh, would see me and start packing up because he realized he had been there for like a long time. And I was like his cue to be like, Oh, I've, I've sat here long enough. It's time to keep hiking. And then that would start the chain reaction of everyone else starting to go. And I already felt like I wasn't going to be able to keep up. And so I would take like 20 minutes. I didn't take many breaks in this year in Nevada, which did not help. Um, and you know, like we all say hike your own hike, right? And in we some do. ways that's easy and some ways it's really hard. And I think learning that for me, sometimes that's really hard. <laughs> and I think if I was to redo the PCT or if I just another three hike in general, listening to myself and knowing what I need and just like, remembering to put my own like needs and desires instead of just like being worried that I was going to lose the group or whatever. And that was just knowing like, well, if I lose the group, I'll either find them later or I'll find more people or I'm okay with like being on my own in that sense. And, uh, just kind of learning that. And I think I've definitely, I definitely learned that on trail in a way, I, I don't know if I learned the hike your own hike part, but the, the losing the thought of being a burden because I challenged and pushed myself to not be a burden. And by the end of the trail, I was actually very fast and able to keep up with our like faster hikers in our group. And that was kind of cool. <laughs> but, um, on the Camino, when I did the Camino, I remember at the very beginning, there was like that competitive nature, like I want to be fast and like yada yada. And then I was like, you know what? No, I've already proven to myself that I can hike and that I'm fast and I know what I'm doing. I don't need to do that. I'm just going to do what I want and I'm going to go slow as I want. And I'm just going to enjoy it and embrace whatever comes to me and it's going to be good. And if I want to go fast at some point, sure, but I don't really want to. And I don't want to do it because I feel like that, like, I don't know. There's a weird thing in through hiking about like who's the fastest and even on the Camino, which is like, more of a luxurious through hike. Um, there, that exists as well. And, uh, I just, uh, I realize I don't want to take part in that and I'll go whatever pace that I feel like I want to now. And yeah, I feel like I've, I've definitely grown from that, which is cool. Did you ever camp on your own or kind of separate from the group like that? Or did, was that part of the pressure that you felt throughout the trail is to keep up or to stay with the, the group? So I'm definitely a people person. And I like being around people and I like having my own time too. But generally when you're hiking, you kind of have your own time. Cause like I wasn't hiking constantly next to someone all the time. So I'd have my own, like what I call introvert time. And then I wanted like my extrovert time as well. Cause I'm like, uh, I'm more of an extrovert, but I'm also kind of an introvert, but yeah, I, uh, I wanted to be around people. So I gen I don't think I, I didn't camp by myself once. And honestly camping by myself, I think still kind of freaks me out. Which I actually want to try, but, uh, the whole, like, 
just hearing noises in the middle of the night is not my thing. <laughs> and I don't I, know that I, it's anybody's thing. It's not anybody's thing, I know. And I put earplugs in, but even then, I'm like, what am I not hearing? What could be there right now? <laughs> but having another person always just makes you kind of feel better about it. Cause it's like, well, if a bear came and mauled us right now, at least it would, you know, there'd be someone else to, like, experience this with me, or I don't know. <laughs> that's sort of the, that's almost, uh, that that's almost like the the version of I just have to run faster than the slowest person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but yeah, um, I uh, I wanted to be around people, so like I was okay with the fact that like I was keeping up the group. And in um in that case of the speed in those moments, I think. At different moments, there are uh, points where I should have, like, hiked my own hike, and I didn't. But I also know, like, looking back, that those choices I made helped me learn and grew me into who I am now, which I'm a lot better than I'm now. And I think sometimes we have to learn the lesson, like, the hard way. <laughs> we have to experience it to understand how it, like makes us feel when we don't follow like what we're what our like head and our hearts are telling us to do and what we know is right for us and like experience like what that feels like so we know like oh this isn't this isn't right for me and I don't want to be in this situation whatever it may be and then being able to identify and choose what is right for us and does like I don't know fills with life or make us feel good and our bodies and our heads and our hearts and stuff you know yeah, it's it's sort of like you appreciate more the lessons you quote unquote paid for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and whatever version that payment is. And I feel like you learn them more like deeply in a sense too sometimes. <laughs> Cuz it's one thing to know something. Like you can know like how to do something but like or what something's like, but when you experience it there's just a deeper sense of knowing, you know? Yeah. Definitely. What was your hardest, most difficult time or times out there? Yeah. Um, I think personally for me, my hardest times were, there's a quote that I liked, um, when I was out there and it was, uh, it's not the mountains we conquer, it's ourselves. And I, I interpret that as like, um, Actually, I'm going to use another quote fast, and then I'm going to say my interpretation. <laughs> there is a poem called Ithaca, and it's this tale. It's like uh, going on a journey and what the journey means. But there's a line in there, and it basically says that, like, you won't encounter monsters unless you bring them with you. And I think that's very true. And I think my struggles on the trail were usually just things I brought with me or things that I needed to overcome personally, like inside myself. And like, for example, easy one or like on that day, day three, when uh, the uphills were like really beaten down on me. Um, like I had the choice, like I had the choice to like let that beat me down and make it harder on myself or I had the choice to try to overcome that and change like my self-talk and I don't know, persevere and rise above it. And I think there were many times on trail, and I think this for everyone, where you're you're challenged in a way, and you have a choice of how you come to meet that challenge, and like, and um, you know, that's not to say that if you choose one way or the other that you're not going to overcome it, but I think there's ways 
to approach a situation that make it easier on yourself and in the long run for like sustainability are better for you. So like I'm big into positivity, not like toxic positivity where like there's no negative things because we need to feel our negative emotions too. But um, positivity in the sense of when something hard comes your way, you kind of just, uh, actually, I don't know if I have the words for this, but like looking at it in a way of like, okay, so here's what we have and here's our choices. And sometimes you can't change what you've been dealt and just kind of accepting that and accepting like, okay, I might make mistakes or it might not turn out the best, but we're going to go for it and we're going to do it as best as I possibly can in that moment where I'm at right then and there and just kind of just uh, almost like embracing your humanity and going forward regardless. <laughs> Could you give me an example of a moment that that happened on trail for you? Yeah, let me think. Um, I feel like it happened every day. <laughs> like I feel like at some point every day I had like a little moment, but most of it is I'd have a little like breakdown moment of like, a, oh God, I just, I'm quitting in the next town or whatever. Or just like, like this uphill is killing me or just like, I can't do this or something like that. And I remember going up one uphill and it was really freaking steep. Well, it was, I think it was Baden-Powell. Oh, fuck Baden Powell. And that's in the desert. So it's like, it's like the, uh, like your, maybe one of your first bigger, like, inclines and like that just gets continuous. And I was still in my, like, with uphills, go really fast, stop, go really fast, stop and breathe. And like, and by breathe, I mean huff and puff <laughs> and sound like I'm physically dying because I kind of was. <laughs> and I remember looking at it. And there was just something in my brain that was like, what if this breaks you? What if this just breaks you? Like, what if this is it? This is just, what if this, this is the end of it? And then something else inside of me was like, or what if it makes you? And like, I kept telling myself that hiking up, like, what if this just makes you? What if this is part of your becoming that turns you into someone who can hike this better? Or like, what if the, you know, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like what I was saying with that, the milkshake run. Um, those things just kind of made me like, it made me stronger. It made like both mentally and physically, like once you overcome something and you see yourself overcoming it, you know, like, okay, well I did that. So I can do the next thing too. Yeah. <laughs> Most up, like, uh, we did Whitney. Whitney was, that was a task too. <laughs> what time did you get, what time did you get up for that? Uh, yeah, well, we, well, someone, uh, so I like sleep, and someone suggested that we wake up at 2 a.m. and get there for sunrise, and then come back and take a nap, and then hike another, oh gosh, it was like 12 or 15 miles after that, and I was like, okay, let's do it, ha ha ha. Um, so we woke up at like 1.30, and we started off at it, and we like, kind of made, we like, partnered up within our group of like, Based kind of like on hiking speed because we got rid of our ice axes because it wasn't our year 2018 was not mm -hmm. that snowy. And, but we did hear there was ice up there. So we're like, well, we're going to want to, you know, like stick together just to be safer. Anyways. So yeah, I, I think they made it up for sunrise and I'm pretty sure we got up there at like nine or 10. <laughs> because like, well, uh, the guy I was hiking with, he got sick and then like I got altitude sickness and we had to take like some really long breaks and like, but it was actually a really cool moment because we kept just, 
encouraging each other to get up there. And I don't know, it was, it was a cool, I don't know, like teamwork moment, I guess. And then we did, and it was really, I don't know, it was really worthwhile. <laughs> it was epic. It was freaking epic. The view on top of Whitney is fucking sick. <laughs> like, you could, I don't I think you could stay up there a week and stare at it, and you still wouldn't see everything, and like, or be able to take in all the grandeur of what it is, and oh, it's beautiful. God. <laughs> Feel a little bit like you're on the top of the world? 100%. And I mean, <laughs> you kind of are, at least for the lower uh, 48s. <laughs> True. But yeah, it was it was a it was a really cool moment. It, yeah, it was it was worth all the struggle that it took getting up there, and then the fact that when I got down to camp, I did not get a nap because a nap at all. Because by the time we got back down, everyone was done napping, so we were going again, and I was like, okay, let's do it, because you know there was only some there's only so many hours in the day. <laughs> yep. But, you got to you got to keep moving forward. Mhm. 100%. What was that last day on the trail like for you? Oh, that was really cool. <laughs> it was like it was euphoric, but it was also kind of like like it 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 didn't feel real. <laughs> uh like it it didn't like waking up, it felt like any other morning and then I was like, "Oh wait, Guys, we're going to Canada today. Like, we're actually going to can like actually Canada. Like, I know we've been saying we're going to Canada this whole trip, but like today's the freaking day we're going to Canada. <laughs> and uh, it did not feel real. Even when like we reached the terminus, which we did like a little dancing jig with it, um, which is really fun. But uh, yeah, it, it it still didn't feel real. Even like touching it, I was like, is this is this actually like I I made it? Like, is this is this actually Canada? Is this a joke? Like, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was, and, uh, you, I sat there for a while and then it hit me and it just like, it's just an overwhelming feeling. And it's also like, it's also bittersweet because like after so long that just like the trail becomes your home, the woods, the mountains, everything. It just, it's, it's your place. It's your home. It's a part of you. It's, you are the mountains, the mountains are you. And the people that you're around, not just like your trail family, but like the community, they're like your family. And it's like cool because you're finally accomplishing this huge goal. But in another way, you know, you're you're ending a really cool chapter and you're going to go back to like the mainland. And yeah, it's sad in that way, too. And I don't know, but it's it's hard to describe. It's definitely just overwhelming. There's so many feelings and like. It's just really cool. It's definitely worth it. <laughs> was it a little scary thinking about going back to the real world? Absolutely. Yeah. Just for like, you know, like we, uh, I like before the end of the trail, we we're all talking about like post-trail depression and how we were going to try to beat it and stuff. And I like, I remembered from either a documentary or a movie I watched about like people who climb Everest. They say like, don't let Everest be the best thing you've ever done. Like, find your new Everest. So I was like, okay, I need to find something else. Like, because you're like, you finish a really great goal and then you come back and you're like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> and so, yeah, I was definitely kind of scared, like, what it was going to look like and, like, what was I going to do now and, like, what did I want to do now after this great, like, experience and everything I learned and just, like, what is my life going to look like from there on? And the first thing I did after sleeping and eating was like, I got rid of so much stuff. Holy cow. <laughs> it 
Aaron and I got rid of so much stuff. <laughs> Just get get it out of your space, get it out of your Yeah, I, I got I got out boxes. I went through my my closet, I went through my room, I went through everything. I just like was like, I don't need this, I don't need this, I don't need this, I don't need this. Why do I even still have this? And I like was like, you know, you live like six months with the same outfit, like a cartoon character and um a backpack and everything. You don't you don't have anything you don't need. You have everything you need and nothing you don't. And I don't know. You just uh, it just changes you to want to switch that into your own lifestyle. Like even to this day, sometimes I look around my my apartment. I'm like, do I really need that? Like sometimes, like ever, like probably once a month, I go through things. I'm like, do I really need this? Do I need that? And like you just kind of develop like a minimalistic perception and sometimes like a full on lifestyle. Uh, but yeah, the first thing I did was I got rid of a bunch of stuff and then. You did a shakedown. I did a shakedown. Oh yeah, <laughs> man, it was it was like a car full of boxes. Holy cow! <laughs> but and then you know, yeah, I guess uh, I definitely got the post trail depression. That was kind of lame. But and then it just kind of <laughs> slowly just uh, you know mellowed out, kind of returned to quote unquote normal, and just missed the trail a lot. If I'm honest. Um, and then I decided, I was like, I'm going to do the Camino de Santiago because I had a friend from college. She's one of my best friends, and she was talking about how she wanted to do it, and I had mentioned it because it just sounded so nice because there's food at, like, every stop, and, like, you get to stay in Albergues, which is, like, a hostel every night, and it's, like, you don't actually have to camp. So, like, I did the Camino in 2019, and I had a backpack that I got from Walmart, which was, like, I think it's, like, 10 ounces 15 ounces it's really small it's like it's it's so small i could have used a drawstring bag honestly and people like on the camino you can technically ship your bags ahead like they get cars from like one town to another if you want so everyone thought i was doing that and then they'd get to the albergue and like where are the rest of your bags i'm like oh no it's 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 just this and i'm like i even have town clothes in here and flip-flops isn't that crazy and they just look at me like i was insane i was like this is great (laughs) that's true because you don't need to worry about tents or sleeping bags or cooking supplies or any of those other things it's really just clothes and kitchen or not even kitchen but uh like uh toothbrush and that kind of stuff yeah Hygiene, clothes, and then like a sleeping, I had a sleeping bag liner and a blow up pillow and my extendable back scratcher <laughs> and a spoon, you know, just in case you need that. But yeah, like other than that, you don't really need anything else, <laughs> which is really cool. <laughs> you, you took it to the minimalist extreme. Yeah. And I, and I was really happy with it too. Some people had like, uh, like, I saw people with hair dryers and like, or, uh, like they'd have like five outfits or they'd unpack their stuff and they're like, the amount of hygiene things, I was like, do you really need a whole, like, full bottles of shampoo? And I'm just like, you don't really, I mean, you know, I mean, hike your own hike. You do what you want. If that's what you want, that's cool, but, ah, mm-hmm. you don't need it. But I, you know, that's not for me to decide, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I was really happy with my extreme minimalistic, uh, <laughs> for the Camino. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> You're and it made the walking so nice. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It probably felt like a little walk in the park. Yeah, just like a nice stroll through Spain. <laughs> exactly. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should? Um, whew. I don't know. <laughs> That's a hard question. <laughs> I feel like we now you're on the things. spot. 
Um, I don't know. Is there anything you uh, else you want to ask me? <laughs> There's definitely something else I'm going to ask you. But first, I'm going to say or ask, where can people find you if they want to ask you uh, questions or follow your continuing adventures? Ooh, 100%. First off, I love questions, and I would be happy to help anyone who wants to try through hiking and feel like they have no experience or just want some encouraging words. You can slide into my DMs on Instagram, probably, which is nomad052. Okay, what is the 052 for you? I honestly don't have... I just, at one point in my life, I just chose a number, and I just kept it, honestly. <laughs> that's not that exciting, but that's just what it is. I was just like, 52, okay, there we go. And then I put a zero in front of it, because I think probably whatever I was doing, the 52 was taken, so I put a zero to make it work. <laughs> nice. So, okay, final question is, yeah. what was one of your favorite or best moments on the trail? Ooh. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And there's so many of them, it's kind of hard to choose. I know. Um, <laughs> give me a second. Let's think. Best moments. I think my favorite section was honestly Washington. And... Just because it's gorgeous. You're in Washington, right? Like, you know. <laughs> and I think it was my favorite part and, like, the best moment because not only was it just absolutely stunning with the North, Cas North Cascades and then, like, Goat Rocks Wilderness, which was definitely my favorite part, but just I felt so strong and capable and confident and, like, in myself. And I think it showed, uh, like, every day I just felt so good and, like, happy to be there. And it's not that I didn't have any hard moments in there, because I probably did. I definitely did. But um, it just felt good. And I think, like, the best moments on trail for me was when I was, like, just really feeling myself. And I'd be, like, hiking at, like, a nice speed. And just, like, in a, you get in a groove. And then I always listen to music, so my, my, my songs would be bumping. And there's just this... Like, it's like the sun shining brighter. And, like, you take a breath in, and you smell, like... I don't know, the trees and the flowers and you just feel at one with the world. <laughs> and that's a very general, but definitely my favorite part about through hiking is those moments along with like the people, honestly. Yeah. The people are pretty rad. <laughs> just basically everybody, everybody, the, the hikers, yeah. the trail angels, the trail magic. The... Yeah. The community is amazing. And just just so unique and hard to I don't know it's just a really cool community it's hard to find that in other places than like the bonds that you establish through hiking and just like the full I don't know I feel like we're all just connected like if you told me you were a through hiker I would be like holy shit and like we would have like such a deep connection of like the struggles that we similarly understand and like what we enjoy and just like just like an understanding of each other without knowing anything else for Jason's episode can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. A special thanks to Jason for sharing his stories from the trails 
and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. On next week's episode, I'll be talking with Zelzin Akatseli, the first known Mexican national to complete through hiking's Triple Crown. I hope that this conversation, these conversations, inspire you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>